0: Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Wijha Initiative podcast. These podcast episodes are recordings of our past events that we hold in person on a weekly basis. We hope that by listening to the podcast, you'll be inspired to join us at an event. To keep up with our work, please follow us on Instagram. اللهم ما ينفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا رب العالمين أما So we're reading from Surah Taha which is the 20th chapter and uh, we're reading from verse 123 in the copy that we have and we've handed out it's page 172 uh, by the way if, uh, if you would like a copy we have a lot at the back if you just put your hand up then inshallah, a volunteer will come around and give you a copy, inshallah. So, whoever wants a copy to follow along in, just put your hand up, inshallah. Cool? And a volunteer will come. All right. Um, so, inshallah, we'll read from verse 123. Bismillah. Go ahead.
1: All right, So, i God said, Descend both of you from here together with Satan as enemies to each other. Then, when guidance comes to you from me, Whoever follows my guidance will neither go astray in this life nor suffer in the next. But whoever turns away from my reminder will certainly have a miserable life. Then we will raise them up blind on the day of judgment.
0: Okay, let's uh, let's pause there inshallah. Right, so verse 123. This is coming right after the story of the prophet Adam alayhi salam and how uh Adam alayhi salam and his wife they ate from the tree that they were forbidden to eat from. Ultimately, then, we we talked about how Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala described Adam salam a.s. as having lost his way, and what that what the implications of such an expression are. Um, and then, verse one twenty two, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala said that Allah Taala then chose him for his grace, accepted his repentance, and guided him rightly. And we mentioned how in the Quran, whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about people going on the right path or people going on the wrong path, He will couple it with the right path. Right? So a person made a mistake. Okay. Now how do you recover from that mistake? Right? Adam السلام, it's described he lost his way. Okay. Now how does he find his way? The word tawbah, the word tawbah in Arabic comes from the root letters ta wa ba yatubu, and that means to 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 turn back and to return right the idea is that sometimes you're going the wrong way sometimes in life and we could ask ourselves you know maybe maybe that's who we are maybe we we've, we've gone the wrong way and the only solution to that is to turn back in order to find the right way does that make sense that's what Toba essentially is. It's an acknowledgement of I've gone the wrong way. And I need to turn back now. Do you get what I'm saying? When do people when do people feel an urge to turn back? What are common times that people feel an urge to to, to, to turn back? Yeah. when they feel guilt. When they feel guilt, right. Okay. Now, what might, if the person's not feeling guilt, right? Like just, just continuously going on that way. Like they've lost their way and now they're just wandering off, further and further astray. Yeah. W- when
1: they feel
0: lost, at, at a dead end. SubhanAllah. One is when they reach a dead end. And that's crazy. You know, sometimes in life you chase a dream and you really think it's going to make you happy, or that's where I'm finally going to be successful. And you get there and you're like, that's it? That's it? Like surely there must be more. And subhanAllah, like that's that idea of happiness is just around the corner. You know, like some of us, we live with that, right? Like not now, but like just this next thing, if I do it, I'll be happy. And you get there and you go, no, 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 it's, it's the next thing. And, and we've been doing this our whole lives. When I get to high school and I get some freedom, I'll finally be happy. And you get there and you're miserable. Right, you just, everyone's fake. And then you go, okay, fine, when I graduate, I go to university, and I have like proper freedom, I'll be happy. And you get there, and then you're just like, oh my god, what are these midterms, and what's this GPA, I gotta keep up, and like, what is this? Okay, when I graduate, and I get a job, and I make money, then I'll be happy. And you do that, and you're like, no. This is, work sucks. Right? And then when I get married. So you, start, so you get married. And you you no, 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 if I have kids, and you have kids and they drive you nuts, huh? Parents are like, yes, in the, in the crowd. the Parents are like nodding emphatically, right? Like, absolutely. Yeah, and then, and then what? And then what? There's a really interesting book on this topic. If this type of topic interests you, you like to like read about, you know, pursuing happiness and meaning and satisfaction, contentment in life. There's a book by David Brooks, it's called The Second Mountain. Essentially what he says, and he describes himself, um, as everyone kind of, not everyone, but a lot of people will climb this first mountain. Remember, it's called the second mountain. So he says, the first mountain usually is the mountain of delusion for everybody. Where they think that when I get to the top of this mountain, whatever that is, your career, your marriage, your financial success, you buying a house finally, like whatever it is. He calls that the first mountain. And so people will climb it, thinking that if I just get to the top, I'll finally be happy. And lo and behold, they get to the top and what? They're not happy. What they're expecting, the the feeling, no. How many of y'all really thought like the day you graduated from university, it would just be like the, the highlight of your life? Tell the truth. At some point, did you believe that? Like, yo, it'll be like cloud nine. And like the day after that, you sat there going like, that's it? Like, like, surely there must be more.
1: Three days after.
0: Three days after. Also you have, mashallah. Okay. Good, eh? Now, but you understand my, my point? So he describes how he himself pursued a career, got to the top of the first mountain and said, I still feel empty. And subhanAllah, what do you have to do then? You have to come down from the mountain. You have to acknowledge that this was the wrong mountain. I climbed it, I put everything into it, and it hasn't made me happy. It's hard. It's hard because sometimes we build our identities around that first mountain. It's who I am. To suddenly have to admit to people, yeah, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I was wrong. It's hard. It's hard to publicly admit that. Right? But you hit that dead end. And then you start looking elsewhere. This is not the way. I can't go any further in this way. It's not making me happier. Right? Have you ever heard of philanthropists? Like people who are really wealthy who go and start doing charity work in like really poor countries? Like you would think if you got all that money, couldn't you just go on like a permanent vacation? No? What do you all think? If you have that much money. You're so rich, like filthy rich. You never have to work another day in your life. Shouldn't you just be on a vacation till you die? But the understanding is that that's not going to make me happy. So instead, what do they do? They'll like risk their lives and their health. And travel to countries where the amenities are not there. And they will do charity work in really, really poor and rural villages. Why would you do that? That's surely not what that first mountain was about. But it's the idea that you get to the top of the first mountain and you realize, I'm not fulfilled. And you see a different mountain. You know, that other people are climbing. And you say, well, maybe that's the mountain. And you start trying to pursue fulfillment in that Right? How many of y'all thought when I finally land my first job, I'll be happy and I'll be like satisfied until you started seeing other jobs that pay more, isn't it? Right. I was talking to someone today who works at one of the big tech companies, one of the big ones. And he's like, yeah, I think I might, I might quit my job and go work somewhere else. I was like, dude. Do you know how many people right now are like dying for that position that you, mashallah, landed? He's like, yeah, but like, I need more freedom. That's what he's doing. I was like, okay. No, if if it suits you, it suits you. But it's the idea that like, I'm sure before he landed that job in like this major tech company, that's what he probably thought would make him happy. And lo and behold, he's there and he's thinking, yeah, no, this is not it. Let me go elsewhere. Do you get what I'm saying? So sometimes we lose our way. And we hit a dead end. And that's where we're forced to turn back. Another reason you said, yeah, which one? You mentioned a different reason. Yeah, I was going to say, where you, you see where you'll end up. Right, you see where you'll end up. You know, sometimes you lose your way and life gets hard. Life gets difficult. And you can feel lost. Who would mention that? Someone feels lost. That happens sometimes. You wander so far that you begin to recognize wait, I, Sometimes you, just, you go out just to try something. Let me just try it out. Let me see how far I can get with this. And you, and you start, and then you lose yourself. You ever seen that? You ever seen someone lose themselves in business? You ever seen that? They start off with a noble intention, right? I'm gonna make a lot of money, and inshallah, I'm gonna donate to the masjid, right? But in the process, they lose themselves. And then it's, it's almost like you don't recognize them anymore. But then so many of them end up in really rough situations, families in shambles. And what ends up happening? Then they realize, oh, no, no, I need to, I need to realign my, my focus in life. And so people feel lost. The way back is tawbah. That's what tawbah is. Tawbah is not just, um, oh, Allah, forgive me. Right? That's, that actually is istighfar. Istighfar means to seek forgiveness. Oh, Allah, forgive me. But even before that you need to do toba which is to acknowledge I've gone the wrong way and I need to turn back. And for many of us that may be where we're at right now in life is we've wandered the wrong way. But the beauty is that the right way is always waiting for us. It's just for us to turn back and acknowledge. And so eventually Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala said descend both of you from here. So that's interesting, because what happened here? Adam salam repented, turned back to Allah. Allah says, we guided him rightly. And yet, despite that, he had to go from Jannah to where? To earth. Right? But if Allah forgave him, why do you have to do that? Do you understand? And that's the idea that, You know, you can you can seek forgiveness in life, but sometimes there's consequences that just have to be that just have to be dealt with, that you have to face. Do you understand that idea? You can harm someone and you can ask them forgiveness, and they'll forgive you. Does that erase the pain immediately? Not necessarily. Do you understand? Not necessarily. Forgiveness does not just erase all traces and remnants of the wrong that was done We know that right? Like it's very interesting. I've seen I've seen couples struggle in marriage So one of the couples well, one of the spouses makes a big mistake They ask forgiveness forgive me the other spouse is like, okay, I forgive you So then the spouse who asked for forgiveness thinks okay, we're back to normal and the other spouse is like, no, we're not back to normal. It's going to take time for us to recover and heal. And the, and the spouse who made the mistake is like, but you forgave me. So why aren't we back to normal? Well, because forgiveness does not erase the consequences. You know, by forgiving someone, you don't just forget what they did to you. You still remember. And that person has to deal with that. Do you know what I'm trying to say? The person who made the mistake has to deal with that. Despite being forgiven. That happens sometimes in life. Right? If you rob somebody. I know, extreme example. But let's let's work. Bear with me. If you rob somebody and you get caught and you ask forgiveness, do you get to keep the money? No. Forgiveness doesn't make it okay now. Like, oh, you forgave me so I get the money. No, you got to give it back. There's consequences that you have to face. Alright? Forgiveness does not always completely erase the consequences. In the, with Allah, yeah, the sin may be erased through forgiveness, the sin. So there won't be punishment for that. But in this world, the consequences of your actions will remain. You broke somebody's heart, you lost their trust, you sought forgiveness, they forgave you, but they probably won't forget. And your relationship may never be the same again. And that's just a reality. Oh Allah, but, 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 but you forgave me. Yeah, it doesn't erase the pain. Right? So Allah told them, okay, descend both of you from here. Together. اِهْبِطَا مِنْهَا جَمِيعًا Ba'dukum adu You are enemies to one another, meaning with shaitan. You're enemies with shaitan. Okay. Then when guidance comes to you from me, whoever follows my guidance will neither go astray in this life nor suffer in the next. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends guidance to us. Now it's up to us to choose that guidance. If we choose it, that is how we stay steadfast. There are no constants in life other than God. There are no constants in life. If you base what you do on an individual, what happens when that individual is gone? Do you understand? If you do it to be part of a group, what happens when that group dissolves? What happens when you follow an individual, just one person, some, some 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 sheikh or someone, and that sheikh fails you? The only constant in life is God. Human beings are fallible. And so when Allah sends us guidance and we hold fast the Qur'an, how does Allah describe the Quran? And belief in God. In in Surah 2, in the fourth juz, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks, or rather, right after uh, Ayatul Kursi. Um, Allah describes believing in God and rejecting other than God as holding on to a firm grip, a firm hold, like a, like a, like a, like a, a knot, a rope that is not going to break. What happens when, you know, one scholar was saying that, you know, the rope of Allah, it will never break. But human beings will let it go. The guidance from Allah will never fail us. But sometimes we choose not to follow it. Do you understand? Like that's a decision we make. To not follow that guidance. And that's what the next verse talks about. Verse number 24. Bismillah. Go ahead. SubhanAllah.
1: Um,
0: let's just pause there for a second. Whoever turns away from my reminder will certainly have a miserable life. Why might that be? One way to interpret that, the reminder here is referring to the Qur'an. وَمَنْ أعرض عن فإن لهما عيشة Whoever turns away from my reminder, meaning the Qur'an, they'll have a miserable life. Why would that be? One interpretation probably a lot of you are thinking is, By turning away from Allah's guidance and His reminder as a punishment, Allah will make your life miserable. How many of y'all, that's what came to mind? Show of hands. How many people kind of, when they heard the verse, that's how they interpreted it. Okay. What's another way we might interpret this? Yeah. Right, if we believe that all the commands of God, if we believe they're actually for our benefit, for our good, for our peace of heart and mind, then when we turn away, we've opted for a suboptimal way of living. And it should be no, should be no surprise then when we find ourselves to, to be miserable. Now, an objection arises here, which is why sometimes when you're obeying God, life becomes what? Really challenging. So then what? Like someone says, okay, the one who turns away from Allah's obedience, yeah, they'll have a miserable life. I'm literally trying to follow his obedience, his guidance and his commands. And my life still isn't really great. How do you account for that? See in the Quran, Allah never says if you're a believer, you'll never face difficulty. He never says that. You don't find a hadith that says that either. That may be the the thought that crosses our minds, oh Allah, I'm obeying you, so why am I being afflicted? I'm a Muslim, why am I going through difficulty? That's founded on this assumption that if I'm Muslim, I shouldn't go through difficulty. But who told you that? Allah never said that in the Quran. What Allah does say, is He'll give you the strength to get through it. He'll give you the strength to get through it. Do you understand? There will be meaning and purpose in your struggle. Absolutely. And that will give you the strength to move forward. To know that it's not all in vain. The struggle that you're going through. Do you understand? And so, to have a miserable life, is truly when not only is your life difficult, but that you don't even have the means to bear it. Do you understand? And subhanAllah, you might think that someone in that state, like, they must be terrible. It's incredible how many people have to reach that state for them to finally realize they've lost their way. And I've said this before, many times, the amount of people that turn back to God in difficulty Far outnumbers the amount of people who turn back to God in happiness. That's just who we are as human beings, right? That's just who we are, right? We can get our order right every single time, and the one time we get it, someone gets it wrong, we call them up and we give them heck. Isn't it? We turn into Karens, right? I gotta speak to a manager. How could you get my order wrong? I wanted almond milk, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, do you know what I'm trying to say, like? Like the one time we get it wrong, boom, we're all upset about it. And so the life is difficult. Like the amount of people that turn back to God in difficulty far outnumbers those who turn back in happiness. And so there's actually, it's crazy. If the difficulty that brings you back to God is far better for you than the happiness that takes you away from him. And that has to become our belief. That has to become what we believe, like at our core. That the the difficulty that will take us back to God. And there's so many like that. Like I've seen people, SubhanAllah, they come to me, and they are truly like miserable. Life is difficult, they're so distant from God, so they don't even have the means to bear that difficulty. And they're just like, I don't, I don't know what to do at this point. Like, I feel so... I feel like I'm drowning in life. That's a common expression I hear, by the way. Interesting how people would describe the phenomena a very similar way. I feel like I'm drowning. How many people have ever got close to drowning? Yeah. Yeah? And did you have to get pulled out by a lifeguard? Yeah? It happened to me too, by the way, yeah? Huh? I was letting you know. Um... Yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty funny. But it happened in Blackburn. <laughs> I was like 17 years old too. Um, anyways, so you know that feeling of drowning? Like, what does it feel like to drown or like to be like in that process? What do you guys describe it as? Can anyone recall? Yeah. You can't breathe. You can't breathe. Right. And what's interesting is, obviously when you're down low, you can't breathe. Because to breathe is to do what? To drown even further, because you take in all the water and you go down. You know, you know what I'm saying? You come out and you cough, you know you come out and you cough like a hundred times. Right? But subhanAllah, like even let's let's say you're able to come up and take a, a breath. Well, what happens? You can't take more breaths, you just end up going back down. And up and down, up and down. Imagine you keep it you're able to just keep jumping up from the bottom. But it's still not pleasant. Why? Because you can't like just breathe freely and calmly. And the panic sets in. Imagine someone describing their life like that. Like every little happiness I come, that I experience, it's immediately followed by like down and, and difficulty. And I think, oh my God, like I thought, I thought I was over this. I come up for another breath of air. Back down again. And there's no anchor. And there's no lifeguard. And there's no floating device. That's how people describe it. Do you understand? That's a miserable life. It's not just because the waves are coming at you. It's that the waves are coming and you have nothing to keep you afloat.
1: Do
0: you understand? That's what your deen is. Your deen is not, you know, as one scholar mentioned. In Islam, you know, obedience to Allah does not mean that you're going to be in a ship that never faces waves. But it means you're going to be in a ship that will never drown. Because you'll always have the means to face the waves. The waves will come. But you'll have the means. Even when everything... Are, SubhanAllah. Imagine all the means of the world fail you. When the means of the world failed the Prophet wasallam, He didn't have the manpower. He had 313 people. They were literally the only Muslims on earth. In the Battle of Badr. He only had 313 the enemy was three times as large. Right? He didn't have the support of his people. He didn't have the support of his tribe, his clan. He didn't have the support of the, the you know, like the, the chieftains. What did he do? Is all hope lost then? What did he do? The, the biography of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam describes to us, the whole night he spent in prayer to God. Because when all the doors around you are shut, the doors to the heavens are open. And so at night he spent crying to God, Oh Allah, you, you make a way out. He said in the, in the dua, in one of his duas, he said, Oh Allah, if these people, if they're destroyed, these Muslims, there will not be anybody to worship you tomorrow. And that's crazy, because he's not actually telling Allah, Oh Allah, life's going to be difficult, we're going to go through a painful death. He's still concerned about his mission. Oh Allah, if these people are destroyed, nobody's going to worship you tomorrow. So help us so that your mission can continue and that guidance can reach people. Do you understand? And that's how life will never reach rock bottom. Because you always have a flotation device when you're connected to God. And so Allah says, whoever turns away from my reminder will certainly have a miserable life. Then He says, and then we will raise them up blind on the day of judgment. SubhanAllah. That's so interesting. Why? Why is that even... The case. Any ideas? Why would people be resurrected in such a state that they won't be able to see? What does sight have to do with turning away from God's reminders? Any ideas? Yeah. Isn't that what kufr is? Kufr is what? To like willfully ignore. Right, and reject. Why does Allah give us sight?
1: his signs in the
0: creation to see his signs in the creation right they're signs and they're reminders do you understand how many of y'all took photos of the moon the other night yeah y'all see that you know the moon was huge i was driving with someone and i remember like we're in the car and he's like oh my god it's so big i've never seen it so big i was like bro the moon hasn't gotten nowhere, bro it's here you know he pulled out his phone I'm like don't worry you want to see it just go on your Instagram stories man everybody be posting the moon right mashallah and so um, what's the point of, of, of using your eyes to be reminded of God right and if you're not going to use them to be reminded of God then on the day of judgment it's, it's like Allah is telling us you might as well have never had them you never used it for its function. You might as well have never had them. Do you understand? Because that's the whole idea. is to use our faculties and what we have to connect with God and to, 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 to recognize God. And if we're using it for everything else, but not its purpose, then why? Do you understand? So, the next verse, these people will actually object. Yeah, Bismillah, go ahead. They will cry my Lord why have you raised me up blind although I used to see yeah uh, oh Allah why did you Lima why did you like raise me up blind wa whereas I could see in the dunya so like something's changed why here in the hereafter am I not able to see and subhanallah what does Allah tell them may Allah protect us it is so
1: just as I so today
0: you are neglected. Subhanallah. It is so. Like, it is what it is. That's just the way it قَالَكَ ذَلِكَ That's just how it is. And subhanallah, what does Allah say? أَتَتْكَ ayatuna. Our signs came to you, فَنَسِيتَهَا And you neglected them, you forgot them. And so today you're going to be neglected as well. وَكَذَلِكَ الْيَوْمَ تُنْسَى Today you're going to be neglected. Subhanallah. SubhanAllah. That's a serious matter, guys. To use the blessings of Allah, to use the faculties we have for the, for the purpose that Allah has given them to us. If you're study, how many of y'all study anatomy or biology or some form of... How many of y'all? Anybody? Anybody in kinesiology or any medical profession? When you study that, that is, wallahi... That is a daily opportunity to see the signs of Allah. Like you should leave that class with your iman refreshed. You should come back and be like, God is great, man, like seriously. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that's what you should come back with. Those are signs. And if you're not seeing that, subhanAllah. It's like, what more, could, what more do you need to see? How many of y'all have ever studied the brain? Even like at a very surface level. The amount of like neurons you have. It's incredible. The neurotransmitters. We're talking what? Billions? If I recall correctly. Like it's in the billions or trillions you have in your head. And it's happening every day. It's functioning. Subhanallah. Like that's incredible. What have you done for it? What do you do? Do you even think about it? Do you think about the means of thinking? You don't even do, we don't do that. It just happens. We take it for granted. And that, that doesn't point to some type of supreme being that has designed the world. If that doesn't do it, what's going to do it for you? You know as a parent, you know childbirth? SubhanAllah. You just walk away going, ah, Allahu Akbar, like God is great. Like how do you see life In front of you, you see a being comes to life into this world. SubhanAllah. It's incredible. So, someone who... You see, in this world, the person said what? In this world, I wasn't blind, O Allah. So why why are you making me blind on the Day of Judgment? So if the person wasn't blind, why didn't they see it? Why didn't they see the signs? Because there's something called perspective. Do you know what perspective is? The word perspective, it comes from the same Latin roots, like, you know, spectacle. Right? Um, Perspective means not to see, but to see through. Which means what? In life, you're going to see things. Can you see through them to their deeper significance? understand that the idea is that you see a, a moon right that's so beautiful in Arabic the word for that is kamar right so of course it's beautiful and so you see the moon and what everybody sees the moon but some will see God some will recognize God through that that's not what you saw you saw the moon but you recognize that through the moon that there's a creator that, that created the moon. And that's the being that your focus goes to. Do you understand? That's the idea of a sign. A sign is not the objective. A sign leads you to what your, really your goal is. And so people can close their eyes. People can choose to not see. Isn't it? You could have vision and be what? I don't want to see. You can choose to not see, you can choose to turn away, you can choose to ignore. You can choose to look at a very shallow level and not think carefully about it. Do you understand what I'm trying to say there? You can choose to not try to see through to the deeper significance, you can choose to do that. Allah says in the dunya that's what you did, you, you didn't use your vision to really appreciate and so on the, the akhirah there's no need for you to have vision either. Let's read the last verse and we'll end with that, inshallah. Verse
1: 127. This is how we reward whoever transgresses and does not believe
0: in the revelations of their Lord. And the punishment of the hereafter is far more severe and more lasting. Right. And this is how we reward and pay back whoever transgresses and does not believe in the revelations of their Lord. And the punishment of the hereafter is far more severe and more everlasting. SubhanAllah, that's something to think about. In this world, you know when you find yourself in a tough spot? Right? What's the worst that could happen? Let's say you're stranded in a country. God forbid, la Right? Let's say you end up in a country, you missed a flight or something, or the flights are all canceled. What are you going to do? What will we all do? Anybody? Anyone? No one has no idea. Yeah. Um, I guess around, see someone can help you. Sure, okay. And what are you going to do though? like You're stuck ask, there. Ask, ask, okay, you can ask. You said, ask Allah, you said? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Book you can try to book another flight, right? People pull up their phone. Let me try and book another one. All flights are canceled. What are you going to do? You're going to find a hotel, right? You're going to try to find a hotel. You're going to try to... Reach out to that aunt that you were supposed to visit, but you never visited. And let them, let them know, last resort, I'm in town. Uh, I didn't tell you, but now here I am. Right? You'll sleep on the couch somewhere. Right? You'll, you'll eat, you know, whatever food that you can find. Yeah. You panic, you panic that's true, right. But, but you'll find a way. Most people will find a way. Right? Because the suffering in this world comes to an end at some point. What's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen, guys? You could die. No, but no, and and I know that sounds like, okay, that's pretty bad. No, what I'm saying is, but your suffering comes to an end. And I say that to contrast it with the hereafter. Allah is saying, "You, you think it's really bad to suffer in this world? That suffering will come to an end. Even if it's by death.
1: That's
0: not a pleasant thought, I know. Like, Shaykh, we didn't come for that, you know, like, right? But it's a reality, right? But in the hereafter Allah is saying, there's no end to it. Like if you mess up there, that's permanent. That's permanent. There's no like, we'll figure a way out. We'll call a friend. There'll be a homie. No, no, no. There's no homies on that day. Everyone's worried about themselves. And so the Qur'an says, the punishment of the hereafter, like. In this world, you're going to have a miserable life. And that's pretty bad. But that miserable life will come to an end. Guaranteed. Either in this world or when you die. But in the hereafter, it's far worse, number one. And it's everlasting. So we got to take it seriously, guys. May Allah make it easy for us to really awaken to the reality of what this life is. Give us the ability to commit ourselves to Allah's obedience. To commit ourselves to a life that's lived on the straight path we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to really help us realize as soon as possible when we've lost our way and to guide us back to him uh, and to ultimately resurrect us in a way that he's pleased with us ameen ya Rabbil alamin wa wa muhammad أينما تكونوا يأتي الله جميعا إن الله على كل شيء قدير